Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Firetime Podcast. Well, we're going to continue our summer rapid reaction series where we're going to listen to an audio article from the Firetime Magazine together, and then I'm going to give you my real-time rapid reaction thoughts. This is one of my favorite things to do because, honestly, these audio articles, they're amazing. I mean, I mean, every single month when a new issue of the Firetime Magazine comes out, I'm just floored by how insightful these audio articles are. So if you've not subscribed to our sister podcast yet, you need right now to stop and search for the Firetime Magazine podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts so that you can listen to these every single month. So for today's article, we're going to listen to one by my friend Jerry Eisenhower called Why Team Members Fail and How to Help Them Succeed. This is one that came out in April of this year, and actually last week's episode did as well. Jerry's written an amazing article. I'm going to listen to it along with you and then give you my rapid reaction to it. Why Team Members Fail and How to Help Them Succeed by Jerry Eisenhower. One of the leading failures that drive managers up the wall is the failure of people to succeed in their assigned roles. Failure comes in many forms, including hiring someone for a job, then finding out they cannot do the job expected of them, having a great employee who fits the culture and even shows up on time but often fails in the assigned role, having a team member who cannot perform the assigned tasks at all. The list of failures could go on and on, but let's talk about solutions to these issues instead. The following description of the reasons for failure also provide managers with tools to overcome them. First, realize that your team is made up of individuals. That may seem absurdly obvious, but it's easy to forget that individual team members have independent minds and individual personalities. Herein lies the problem. If an individual with their own unique personality does not match the role to which they are assigned, it can result in a tremendous problem. If the role does not match their individual personality, no amount of training or standard operating procedures will make a significant difference. Any attempt at making an individual fit into an assigned role which does not match their personality is simply doomed to fail. So where does that leave us? Is there a way to read a person's mind? Is there a way to know if someone is a good fit and has the behavior patterns to match properly with their assigned job? Yes, there is. And by putting certain tools to work in the interview process, success or failure of the individual often can be predicted. The process is called behavior assessment. With the right testing and assessment, along with a debriefing of the results by a trainer, an employer can use this information to decide if an interviewee is the right person for the job. The TV show Criminal Mind illustrates how data can be used to find a person of interest. In the show, the BAU division of the FBI is featured. BAU is the abbreviation for Behavior Assessment Unit. In each episode, BAU uses data to profile suspects and, predictably, successfully identify and apprehend them. Not unlike the BAU of Criminal Minds, it is possible with behavior assessment tools to utilize data points from the answers applicants provide on a behavior assessment test. There are quite a few behavior assessment tools available to an employer to utilize in the interview process. These include Wonderlick, Myers-Briggs, CVE, DISC, and others, routinely used by human resource divisions and companies across the U.S. and the world. I've been familiar with various assessment tests for many years and most knowledgeable and experienced with DISC. DISC is often used in my world of consulting and coaching. 
A few years ago, my wife, Cheryl Eisenhower, went through the training and certification process for the DISC assessment, qualifying her to debrief the assessment results. Each of the four letters in DISC has a specific meaning that offers insight into an individual's behavior patterns. The following is a summary of what each letter represents. D. Dominance. Change adaptation, risk-taking, creativity and innovation, negotiation skills, decision-making, strategic planning. I. Influence. Communication, social ability, empathy, impact and influence, motivation, interpersonal relations. S. Steadiness. Service, project management, information search, listening skills, customer-oriented, and teamwork. And C. Conscientiousness. Attention to details, quality control, time management, analytical conceptual, concern for order, tactfulness, diplomacy. Now, a person's DISC assessment is not about whether that person is good or bad. Instead, it's about matching behavior patterns with job requirements and expectations. A DISC assessment will identify tendencies such as, is this person a good leader? Can they be an effective salesperson? Can they be an effective technician? Can they be an effective warehouse manager? Will they be hard to manage? Will they work well with others? And are they a self-starter? In the digital version of this article, I provide a chart showing a DISC assessment of one individual. This is the first part of the assessment report. The individual this chart describes is called a DI personality, which means they have certain personality traits that may make them unfit for certain jobs, but a great fit for others. As you review this chart, you'll see that the person has a higher interior dominant personality. The gray bar indicates this individual is working to control that tendency. But the report goes much deeper, and a full DISC assessment may be over 50 pages in length. A certified debriefer can interpret the assessment results if required. You can search the internet and find many places that will provide you with a DISC assessment test. However, these free reports are abbreviated and do not show the entire personality spectrum. I suggest that if you want to know the whole story behind a person's behavior patterns, go to the full report along with professional debriefing. With the cost of training, a new hire often exceeds $20,000. By comparison, the cost of a DISC assessment is a small price to pay for getting it right and not having a hiring failure. When utilizing the DISC process, you should assess every member of your team. You'll be amazed how a DISC assessment can pinpoint strengths and weaknesses. DISC can also help build a profile of each role in the company, predicting which individual behavior patterns will best fit. The DISC assessment and your top salesperson, for example, will provide a template to match with behavior patterns of new hires, ensuring a greater opportunity for success. Utilizing the DISC assessment and knowing if someone's behavior patterns match with a specific position makes putting the right person in the right seat so much easier. The DISC will also explain an individual's required communication style, the communication style they react to, and the one they fight. From this information, you'll have the tool you need for onboarding, training, tracking, measuring, and accountability. I encourage you to do research into DISC and how it can be a part of your success plan. I asked a certified DISC assessor, Cheryl Eisenhower, what books to read on the subject, and she suggested the following books by Robert Rom. The Masterful Merchant by Eric Demery, with foreword by Rom. Who do you think you are anyway? Positive Personality Profiles. In closing, it takes more than the right behavior patterns to succeed with new hires. It also requires the right onboarding, company culture, training, and management skills in leadership and communication for true hiring success. It is impossible to lead people whose personalities you don't fully know. A DISC assessment provides you with the means to understand those you lead and provides the path to excellence. 
Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that audio article by Jerry Eisenhower. Man, it's so good. And there's a few things that I want to just cover. I'm looking at my notes here that I took as I was listening to it along with you. And, you know, starting out at the beginning, right? Like managers get super frustrated at the failure of their team members. I see this all the time where owners of companies very often will complain. They don't care about it like I do. Man, they just don't seem to get it. I'm the only one that can step in and do this. And, you know, there there very well may be unique skill sets that you as a manager or an owner have that, that your team is just not as strong in due to, you know, just their lack of experience and, and familiarity with the industry. But I would say that so much frustration comes because A, we don't understand the strengths and weaknesses of our team, and B, we don't train our team. And I know that this isn't an article about training, but I have to mention it before we go into all the disc stuff is that, you know, if you think about it, pick your role, installer, salesperson, support staff, whatever it is for most retailers in our industry. And, and I'm not speaking to manufacturers and distributors right now because I'm just not as familiar with their onboarding processes, but with retailers in particular, someone comes in, you know, does your company have an onboarding process, a standard process of how to train someone for this role where, hey, for the first week we do this, the second week we do this, the third week we do this, all of those things. Because if we don't, of course the person's not going to learn it. Of course they're going to have bad habits because they're going to learn from whoever the jaded person is that is the most tenured that they're talking to in your company, right? Versus you being the one to set that trajectory. One of the things that I found was that by building out a training and onboarding process for the first, you know, four to nine weeks that a team member was was with a business, it really transformed things and it allowed us to hire almost anybody and start to train them. So that's number one, right? If, if someone gets hired as an installer, the way to train them is not, well, you know, they'll just go in the truck with Jimmy for the first couple months and hopefully they get it. That's not a training process, right? We need to be intentional with what we put together for new team members because this is a major reason why retailers in our industry can't hold on to people. Okay, so jumping into the meat of the article, when Jerry talked about different behavioral analysis and tests, this is something that I really, really believe in. And like he said, there's a lot of them, you know, whether it's Myers-Briggs or Wonderlick or the DISC assessment. I'm a big fan of the Enneagram as well. There's a lot of ways to get a broad idea of how does this person behave Will they be a good fit in this role? And of course, none of these tests give you a high definition picture of the candidate or the team member that you're talking to, but they will absolutely give you a low res picture, right? So you'll get the basic understanding of here's their strengths, here's their weaknesses, these are the situations where they tend to thrive in. And honestly, that allows you to look at the role that they're in or the role that you're hiring for and say, you know, what kind of personality would thrive in this role? And I love that Jerry picked out DISC. This is one that I'm pretty familiar with. And it's funny that in his article, he mentions someone that's a high D and I, because honestly, like that's my personality type on, on the, on the DISC assessment is, is high D, right? Highly dominant and a little, a little bit lower on the I, which is, which is influence as 
I have looked at the teams that I've led, there have been some situations where I want team members like me that are high on the D or high on the I part of the disc assessment. But there's also situations where I want someone that's high as an S or high as a, as a C in an area where I don't naturally have that strength. And we ran our whole sales team through this. I mean, this is probably four years ago or so. One of the team members that worked with us at my previous company at Fireside Home Solutions was certified to do disc assessment work. And she ran our whole team through it. We answered all these questions. We took all these tests. And at the end of it, when they read you your disc assessment, it was so life-giving for the people in that room because many of them had never been in a situation where they'd been kind of affirmed that, hey, this is the way you were made. This is how you operate in strength. And these are the situations that that you really thrive in. And, and here's the situations that it just looks like from the outside, you might tend to not like or struggle with. And, and truly, it was like water in a desert. Going through the disc assessment was really powerful. And what, what I found for me in, in the sales role that we had, I really liked the D's and the I's. You know, I, I liked people that liked to be around people. I, I liked people that had a personality that was a little bit dominant, you know, not not out of control, but I liked somebody that that wanted to get things done and had a little bit of, of an edge to say, no, I'm, I'm going to do this regardless of the outside circumstances. Now, on the other side, the S and the C was incredibly powerful as well. You know, one having to do more with detail and making sure that we that we do things right, you know, we document every single thing. We communicate the way that we need to. Or one that's more steady and more sympathetic to customers. And what I found is in a sales capacity, understanding where someone fit on the disc assessment allowed me to understand, should this person be someone that sells to builders? Should this person be someone that sells more on the retail showroom floor with customers? As we go to train them, understanding that they're high as a C makes me realize it's tougher for them to have touchy-feely, more open-ended conversations with customers. And I got to be aware of that, that they may not be the best fit for this role if they can't get out of their own way that way. And, you know, looking at this, if, if you think about it, right, like if you're hiring for an accountant, you you probably don't want someone that is a high I and high S. Like you really want someone that's a C to be an accountant. Like you need that level of detail. And what I found is without using assessments like this, very often we like and hire people who are like us. And oftentimes that means that there are glaring weaknesses on your team because as you hire people that you like and they've got similar flaws to you, there's there's gaping holes in your company. And truly, for, for many companies, they're monstrous versions of all the problems of the owner or the leader. And the way that you can get around that is by trying to staff your liabilities and bring people into roles and situations where their skill set fits it, even if that's different than you. And and truly, I've found, you know, there's there's people sometimes that get on your nerves. I, I have had people I've worked with that, that can get on my nerves sometimes 
not because they're bad people, just because they're different than me, right? You know, with with me being a high D and and a little bit less on on the I scale, but still pretty strong. There's things with the S and C where I can naturally tend to clash a little bit because I'm like, wait, why are we why are we taking our time on this? Like, let's just make a decision and go. And and I have learned that that is a flaw with me, right? I I have got to audit myself and say, you know what, Tim. Not everybody is like you, and that's great because if everybody was, we'd run this thing off the rails. Instead, you need to humble yourself and listen to this person, even if it gets on your nerves sometimes because they have something to say and a role to fulfill that you could never do yourself. So I I really, really like this. You know, the DISC assessment for me over the years has been something that's been very, very simple. It's it's very easy to understand. And and truly, like, if you just right now take your whole team through it, you will learn so much about them and their natural strengths and weaknesses. As Grant and I go into work with businesses, and this is true of manufacturers, retailers, and distributors, and we're looking at their responsibility chart of who does what in the company. We'll often look at roles and say, well, can you tell me about their personality? Okay, how do they do in this situation? How do they do in this situation? Man, you know, I think you're struggling here because I don't think their personality is set up for what this role requires. So what if you move them into this seat? Okay, now do you have anyone else in the company who would thrive in this situation or do you need to hire for it, right? That's where all of this stuff comes into play. So I, I just thought this was an incredible episode and and I have benefited so much from the DISC assessment and other personality and behavioral tests. And I, I hope you can do the same thing because it, it really will help you and help your company. Now, if this podcast today was a blessing for you and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website patreon.com slash it's fire time. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash it's fire time. We'll continue to do rapid reaction episodes for the rest of the summer. And my hope is that you subscribe to the Firetime Magazine podcast so that you can actually listen to these as they come out. But I think it's worth going back and revisiting just like this, where, you know, you sit down, listen to it, get out a notepad and, and jot some things down. I, I've just found for me, even as I do these episodes, there's something so life-giving about revisiting the content, evaluating it, and making decisions based on what you've learned. So I hope you can do that this week with the content from today's episode, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. I'm all in to burn in-